spend time with God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be holy. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. All right, Ephesians 1.17, this is one of our favorite verses. Uh, Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. May give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Jesus, we welcome you tonight. Lord, we just ask that you will open our hearts to hear from you. God, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you. God, I pray that you will speak to each one of us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, uh, Amy and I just uh, got back from a little vacation. We went on vacation together. It was wonderful, and uh, we ha- it was refreshing and good. Got to sit out at the beach and stare at the ocean. And I, went, I want everybody to know that I went a full week in the sun without getting sunburned. I don't even know how it's possible. I went through about four bottles of sunscreen, and uh, Amy didn't use any. And uh, but that's okay. That's all right. But uh, we did that, and we had a great time. Um, but we had a little, a little thing that happened while we were gone. Uh, we, we got to go uh, to Hawaii, and um, I don't know if you guys knew or not, there was this little tsunami action going on last week. And, uh, and so here we are. We were in, we were in Hawaii on the beach, like, like our, our hotel was straight up on the beach, and, uh, and I, was, I was asleep at, at when all of a sudden I was, we were both awoken um, by this siren, which you never really want to be woken up by a siren. It's never like, oh, lovely, you know? So the siren goes off, and then this voice comes over the intercom, and basically it's, it says, hey, warning, you're going to die today. That's roughly what they said. Something about tsunami, 11 o'clock, four hours till you die. That's kind of what they said. And, uh, and so Amy was like sitting straight up, like eyes wide open, like, what are we going to do? And she, I was laying down, and she was like, are you hearing this? And I was like, I know, he won't shut up. I'm so tired. I was like, shut up. He repeated, like, okay, so here's what they did. They said it in English, and I was like, okay, I got it. And then they said it in Japanese, and I didn't understand it. And then he said it in English again, and I was like, dude, I got it the first time. I'm really tired. And then they said it in Japanese again, and now I didn't understand. I was, I was annoyed. I wanted to go back to sleep. That didn't happen. Uh, so, so 6.30, they said, hey, you're going to die. And, uh, and so we got up, and, and we started walking around. And it was really weird walking around because uh, everybody's faces were just like, oh, my goodness. Like just blank stares everywhere. And uh, we were actually in Honolulu, and they usually have the, the Pro Bowl there for the NFL. And uh, they didn't have it this year. This year it was in Miami. I think this thing was all just a way for them to reap some of the money. I, they, what they lost in Pro Bowl sales, they made in bottled water. They were selling, there was lines down the street to get bottled water. I mean, it was like, it was so precious. And so, so we stood in that line, and uh, because... You know, who knew? I, who knew what was going to happen? We got, so here we, we walk out of this convenience store with our bottles of water, our bag of chips, our macadamia nuts, our cereal, and some Coke. Uh, 
Because we didn't know what was going to happen, you know? And you, you got to, okay, what do I need in emergency? And so that's what we went with. And, uh, you know, I was just like, oh, oh, okay, we're going to be, at best case scenario, we're going to be stuck in a room for a week with no electricity. No, I need some Coke. You know, that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, we're dead. You know, well, actually, whatever. So, uh, so anyway, um, so we got ready for the tsunami of 2010. And uh, so we were actually standing on the beach looking at the ocean, which was in two hours going to swallow us alive. And, uh, and so it was kind of the surreal moment, and we were looking at it. And I had kind of come to like, all right, well, the first thing Amy did, first thing she did, I mean, I don't even think the announcement was over yet. She was on the phone with the airlines. Can we, do you have a flight off the island before 11? They were like, oh, we can get you out Monday. No, before 11. Well, we can go through the, I don't care where, before 11. I was like, wow, okay, okay. And they said no. And so then we were like, okay, well, maybe we'll rent a car and just drive to the middle of the, you know, just get away from the shore. Uh, unfortunately, no, they weren't renting cars and uh, they were, the streets were closed. And so basically the genius was uh, go to your room, shut the door, and pray. Uh, so we were, we were pretty high up, so, so I was trying to let Amy know look, the building's not going to collapse. You know, like worst case scenario, maybe it floods the bottom, but I don't think it's going to topple over. I was saying these things, but inside I was like, oh, building, stay up. You know, <laughs> oh, don't fall. And, uh, and so, so we, we but here's, here's kind of what happened. We're sitting, we're asking the people about, about tsunamis, and... Uh, and it's kind of like, we both had the same feeling as they were like, hey, you know, you need to go to your room. You're, you're above the fifth floor and, and, you know, you should be fine. It really felt like we were on the Titanic. You know, when they were like, just, you know, playing the music, just get your life. It's everything's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. Meanwhile, the rats are like running around like crazy and, you know, all that. Like, that's, that's the feeling. I was like, you know, we were looking at this person. We were like, you're lying to us. So I asked, I said, what are you doing? You know, because like the Titanic, the people actually were all going to die. Here, like the locals, I figured they could actually go home. So I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, well, I have to stay here. So I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better. And uh, we were ready. I mean, we got up to our room with our water and our Coke. And, uh, and for some, we, we filled up the bathtub with water because, you know, I, why not, you know? And so we wanted to make sure we had water. And we were hunkered down, ready to go. And, uh, and so we turned on the TV, and it was going to hit this other island first. And so we're watching, and we're watching. And it's 11.05, it's hitting the big island. And so we're just watching, and watching, and waiting. <laughs> and it wasn't quite the tsunami that was anticipated, which actually was, okay, all right, back to, right, let me back up. When we're standing on the beach staring at our certain death, I had kind of come to that, like, okay, we're gonna get a little bit, we're gonna get in our room, it's gonna be okay. And Amy was like, listen, you speak to those waves. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you know, listen, babe, you know, rationalize you. This is a big moment in my prayer life. You know, like, like what do I think? Like, does God answer prayer? What do we do? Is, is this gonna happen anyway? Or are we good? You know, what, what's the purpose? You know, and so she was like, you speak to those waves. So here we are, we kind of like go off to this little, I'm like, okay, but we're coming over here. You know, and so like, we're like speaking to the ocean, you know, speaking to the ocean, turn around, speaking, you stand, hotel, you know, like, we're, I mean, we are charismatic to the max at this moment. 
And, uh, and it's, that's how it's happening. And in retrospect, here's what you cannot argue. The tsunami did not come. I mean, you know, all I'm saying is the scientists were like, I don't know what happened. So, so anyway, so we're, we're watching and we're waiting. And, and, uh, and it wasn't quite what they had anticipated, but it, there was a lot of activity in the water, a lot of weird, you know, like the water rushed out and exposed the beach and then would rush back in. And, uh, and, and so, but we were in our room for a few hours before I realized that we weren't going to be there for weeks. And, uh, and so I was like, hey, they haven't given us the go-ahead to leave, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to go look around. And so Amy was like, okay, well, I'm staying here. So I went and I, I waited. I waited for about like 20 minutes for the elevator before I realized that it's not coming. And so then I, I like went down 14 flares, flares, 14 flights of stairs because I was like, man, I'm getting out. I'm seeing, and I walked out, and it was like ghost town. I mean, it was crazy. There was nobody out there. Uh, so I was like, dude, I'm going to go stand in this. Like, this is a tsunami. I'm going to go get in it. <laughs> and so I went, and, 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 and I kind of got, like, up to my ankles, you know, like, kind of, but I was still a little safe, you know. And uh, I was like, oh, this is a big moment. This is pretty sweet, standing in a tsunami. I mean, you know, like, I figured it was over, but whatever. And uh, so then, like, I was, there was nobody down there. Nothing was open. And so I was a little bored. So I went back. And as soon as I got back up to the room, they were like, hey, you're okay to leave. And so I was like, let's get out of here, you know. And so we went down to the pool and to the ocean. And, and, and at this time actually was like the most activity of, of the, the, the water. Had done. I mean, there were waves crashing like more than we had done all, seen all week. And uh, it was kind of cool. And so I was like, okay, babe, I'm going to go swim in it. Like I stood in it, but I'm going to swim in this mess, you know. And, uh, and so I, I did, and uh, Amy watched. I, I, I really appreciate Amy in this moment because she didn't tell me not to. She didn't participate, but she was like, oh, yeah, go, you die, <laughs> you know? And so, so I went out, and I swam in it. And, and it was true. I mean, the water was a lot different and a lot more rough. And though, like, it wasn't the massive tsunami, uh, it, it was, like, it was about twice as deep as it had been all week, and the waves were—I mean, it was—so it was super fun. And uh, so anyway, that was, that was kind of our, our experience. So some of, you saw, some of you knew we were there. Some of you saw that there was a tsunami. I appreciate all of your texts telling us that there was a tsunami. We actually did know. And uh, <laughs> imagine that. We were aware that we were about to get it. And uh, so anyway, uh, so I, I thought I'd share that story with you. It was a great time. But it was really, like, I felt called to go swim in this. You know, like, like I didn't feel like I, it's just like, why would you go swim in this water, you know? It's real simple. Was it because I'm stupid? Maybe. Was it because, like, I'm courageous? Probably not. Was it because I had to? Absolutely. How could you not swim in a tsunami when you can? And so I did. And it's just this, this idea that there's just something about the unknown. Something about, like, when something is is crazy and deep and all this stuff that, that you just want to be in it. And, uh, and so I'm going to tie this into, uh, we're actually, see, you like how I tell you a story and then I find a way to tie it in here. Uh, we're actually jumping into a new series here tonight uh, called The Deep End. And, and I want to talk about what, our, I think our hearts are naturally drawn to depth. Our hearts are naturally drawn to, to wanting to be involved. I mean, it's kind of like when you were a kid and you, you know, like, what made you go from the, from the shallow end of the pool to the deep end of the pool? Everybody, nobody, you know, like you play in the shallow end for a little while. You got the little floaties on and everything. But you always wanted to go to the deep end. 
Why? Because it was, that's where, that's where the fun, that was, there was more fun in the deep end. Uh, it was more danger in the deep end. You wanted to impress the girl, whatever. You know, there's always reasons, but you always, you want to go to the deep end. You want to be in the depths. And, and I think there's just something about us that we enjoy that. We enjoy depth. We enjoy uh, uh, going beyond shallow. We enjoy going beyond surface level stuff. And I believe that's true. I, I think that's because God's placed that in us. Because I think ultimately that's what our hearts are in Him. He wants us to search Him out. He wants us to, to have deep relationship with God. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, cultivating and sustaining depth in relationship with God. How do, we, how do we get depth in our relationship with God? And how do we keep that, our, that depth? I think first off, I just want to read some verses uh, just to prove that it's possible uh, that there are deep things about God. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Job 11, 7 through 8. Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find the limits of the Almighty? Are they higher than the heavens? Uh, what can you do deeper than Sheol? What, what can you know? Daniel 2, verse 20. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells within him. God reveals deep and hidden things. There's, there is depth to knowing God. There are, there are things about God that are beyond our, our ability to find them. I mean, God, would you guys agree with me that God is a complex person? I mean, God, how deep is God? How, how great is He is beyond searching out. And yet we have the opportunity to search Him out. We have the opportunity to search after Him, to seek after Him. I think that's a great invitation. Uh, but I think that I, I, kind of as we start this, this series on depth, I'm going to talk about first three different levels of depth, if you will. Uh, three different degrees of, of depth. Now, obviously there's going to be Multitudes and numberless shades in, in, in between these. But I think there's three general uh, degrees of depth. First is, is moral conversion. The first degree of depth is, is, is the salvation moment. It's the repentance moment. It's, it's the turning from the old, coming to God. It, it's, the, it's the dying to, to the sin of this world. And that's kind of the first phase that, that we go through in, in our depth in God and our relationship with God. It's this, it's this seeing that we are sinners. It's the seeing the, 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 the grossness in our own lives and saying, not my will, but your, and, and turning to God and kind of the 180 degree turning from all the sin of this world to God. That's phase one. That's like, that, that's just the beginning. And that's why it's really important that we don't just try to help people say a prayer and think that things are done. Because that's just the beginning of the beginning. And there is so much more for the hungry. There is so much more for those that want more. And so, so the phase one, the very beginning, is us seeing how, that we are fallen and turning to God. It's the repentance moment. It's the moral conversion. The second phase, and, and like I said, there's, there's countless uh, there's countless shades in these phases. So you could be, we're all going to be at different places, but these are kind of the main breakdowns. Uh, the, the second one I would say is, is the killing of the flesh or the killing of our own will. And, uh, and so I, I would say that most of us 
in this room are in phase one to two. At somewhere, we're, we're somewhere between uh, the, the repentance moment, coming to God, uh, and, and the killing of the flesh idea. And, and so what phase, kind of the phase two is, is killing of our own, it, it, our own flesh, the things that we want. It's, it's the, uh, we're no longer willing to cling to our faults. It's kind of the getting rid of pride. It's getting rid of, of uh, you know, slander. It's the, it's the things. It's 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 the things that when we're essentially, I'd say, fine tuning our walk with the Lord. It's it's where we are where we are repentant about sin. We see sin and we don't want it, but we still oftentimes fall into sin and we still live there. And our our immediate response is, I don't want this anymore. Um, and, and I would say that, that probably most of us are, are in this, this area, somewhere between the, the phase one of repenting and coming to the Lord, or, or somewhere in phase two where we're in the process of dying to ourselves, and every day it's like, wake up, kill my flesh, I, you know, my, I want to sin, but, I don't, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's kind of the idea of, you know, like when someone bugs you, um, you know, if someone annoys you, that's not necessarily, your being annoyed isn't necessarily sin. However, when you yell at them and call them a moron and tell them to leave you alone, you've entered into sin, you know? And, and so this is kind of when we're, we're learning to control our speech, learning to control our tongue, our actions, and, and, and getting rid of, of the sins that, that um, we're aware of, but, but we don't want to, we, don't, we hate it, and we want to get rid of it in our life. It's, it's the fine-tuning of, of our um, of our relationship with the Lord. And then the third phase, I would say, is, is loving God without limits. This is, where, this is where Jesus was at. This is the song we sang earlier. Where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say. You know, Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. Jesus only spoke what he heard the Father speak. I would say that that's the idea of loving without limits. It's where we are fully given over to the Lord. Um, I think it's when we are taking every thought captive. And if you're taking every thought captive, then the words you speak are going to be kingdom-focused. The, the actions you do are going to be God-centered. And I'm not saying that every word is about God himself. Uh, but I'm saying that we are aware of—it's a kingdom mentality where we are constantly aware of God and we're constantly in relationship with God. I would—in in a really um, poor example of this, I would say even like with, with my relationship with Amy, um, I'm at the place—we're at the place now, we've been married for almost two years— I pretty much know whenever I say something, what she thinks about what I'm going to say. I, you know, if I'm doing something, I know that she enjoys it or doesn't enjoy it. I, I'm aware, even when she's not around, I'm aware like, okay, if Amy were here, she would tell me that that joke was really inappropriate or, or something like that. And I think it's, it's the awareness, it's the, it's the breathing of, of knowing what God has for us. And, and every word we're speaking is to bring glory to Him. And every action we're doing is because we want to bring glory and honor to Him. And, and so um, I, 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 that's kind of, the, that's the third level. That's, that's the Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I think that's the goal. That's, that's like, that's the end result. I mean, uh, the Bible's full of it, kind of giving us this, the, wanting to, to strive for this. Ephesians 1, 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. I think that, uh, you might want to underline that in your Bible. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. 
1 Peter 1.15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. James 1.4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I would say that this love without limits, it's the mature love of God. It's loving him in a mature fashion. And I'll, and I'll say this about the loving God without limits. I know a few people that, that I would say are healed. But I only know a few. This is where we're, this is what we're striving for. This is what we're asking for. But if you're tempted tonight to say, oh yeah, I'm totally in quadrant three right there. That's me. I want to encourage you, even the thought that you're there is probably an indication that you're in number two. <laughs> you know, like, so, so I do know, I do know people that are, that are, that I believe are in the, they love God without limit. But I only know a few. But we all have the opportunity in, in what I said of, the shades of these things to keep growing. Ignatius said that genuine love is never static. It grows steadily, even if imperceptibly. Genuine love is never static. And so I want to challenge us in our, in our relationship with the Lord to never be, be satisfied being static. Never be satisfied just staying where you're at. Always having a hunger for more. Always wanting more. If you're genuinely in love with someone, you're never okay with just status quo. And so as we pursue God, let's always be seeking out and desiring more. And so that's why, that, that's the whole purpose of, of kind of, as we want to talk about how to attain and sustain depth in God, uh, is because we want to always be seeking more. And I, even in talking about the, the different degrees of depth, and again, I just really want to reiterate, I'm not saying that the, it's three static things, and I'm, I know that there's shades of it. But even in talking about that, I, I want to talk about that because I want, I hope that each of us realize that we haven't made it. You haven't arrived. The moment you think you've arrived in your relationship with the Lord, it's time to really go before Him and worship and say, oh man, how, I, God, I, you know, my pride is welling up. We have not arrived. And so if you kind of, if, if, if there's, I would say it's a lie, a lie of the enemy to try to tell you that you've arrived. You know, you got it. Man, you're good. You are set. No, listen, you are human and you fail and you are weak, but you have a good God who forgives and who loves. And so let's not think that we've arrived. Let's not be people that think I've made it. I'm good. We're set. As we talk about sustaining depth and, and, and attaining depth, I, I would say, um, just in my own experience, the key thing that, that I've, I've experienced that, that will help that uh, is really the series we just did in, in our identity in God. And so, um, actually, I really encourage all of you, uh, if you weren't at TAG last night, um, go podcast that, listen to that talk. I, I think that finding our identity in, in God, our Father, is the thing that I have found is one of the primary things of sustaining depth in relationship with Him. And so even before I start tonight, or mid-wherever I'm at tonight, um, I, I want to let you know, like, I think that having our identity rooted in Him is really key. So much so that we wanted to spend a few weeks on it before we even came to this. And so, um, so like I said, if, if you weren't at TAG last night, go podcast that. Go really, I, I encourage you, if, if you can wrestle with your identity in the Lord over this semester, and if you leave this semester knowing, like, who you are in God, then that's a win for me. 
And so I, I think that is one of the key things. Um, but tonight, I want to talk about knowing God. I want to talk about our ability to know God, the living God. And yes, He's unsearchable, but He is knowable. And, uh, and so I want to, I, I think that in, in, in sustaining depth in relationship, we need to know Him. When I think, I begin to just think of some of the relationships that you have that are, are the richest, the, the relationships that you know of, uh, your friends or your family, that, that you know that this relationship, it has roots, it, it is deep. What are the things that, that have caused it to get that way? What are the things that have, that, and I'm just talking, you know, in the, in, the, in the natural, with us, with our friends, with our family, and things like that. What caused relationships to have depth? I think of a few things you might think of more. I, I think number one is, is probably just time. Really, there's just time. And so it's okay. Uh, I don't know where all of you are at and, and when you came to the Lord, but it's okay for someone, if, you, if this is kind of new to you in the last year or so, you're not going to have the depth and relationship with someone that, that has been seeking God for, for more years. And that's, that's okay. And I want you to know, like, I'm not saying it's okay to be satisfied where you're at, but it's okay to realize that, that depth and relationship comes through time. It comes through experiences together. I think it comes through, uh, yeah, you know, through shared experiences. I think it comes through um, getting to know one another. There's, there's all sorts of reasons why there's depth. But I want to I just talk tonight on how we can get to know God. I mean, just even the idea of getting to know God is, is a pretty big thing. So obviously the first one I, I think is really important is that uh, we get to know Him relationally. We get to know we, we serve a God that is alive and speaks and he's active in your life. You can know him. The Bible talks about Moses talking to a God like a man speaks to a friend. That's a pretty big deal. The fact that God speaks and that we can get to spend time with him and know him. Philippians 3, 4. I'm going to read, this is a lot of Bible, but I'm going to read it. 3, 4 through 11. This is Paul writing. This is kind of Paul giving his resume. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the, the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but the, uh, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul here is giving his, uh, this is his resume towards anyone that wants to boast. Anyone that thinks I've arrived. Anyone that thinks I got it, man, I am good. Paul says, nothing, rubbish. I've done more. I'm better. And you know what? I count it all loss to, to knowing Jesus Christ. Do you know what I find so interesting about that? Paul didn't hang out with Jesus the way Peter did. Paul didn't hang out with Jesus the way John did. Paul 
he ran into him on the road pretty abruptly, you know. And then after that, that was kind of his encounter with Jesus. And yet Paul talks about knowing Jesus. And, and A.W. Tozer in, in the book Keys of the Deeper Life talks about this. And, and he says, um, when the Apostle Paul cries that I may know him, he uses the word know, not in its intellectual, uh, but in the experiential sense. Paul is saying, I want to know him. I want to experience him. I want to spend time with him. I want to know him as a friend knows another friend. Paul is saying, regardless of anything that I've done, I want to know him. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Here's, here's what I find really interesting. I love verse 10 where he says, I want to know him. But earlier in verse 8, he says, I do know him. Here's, here's my resume. It's stacked. And I count it all loss because I know Jesus. We have, we serve a God that can be known, that we can experience him. I love Ephesians 3, 17. Uh, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The love of God can be experienced today. You can experience His love today. You can experience relationship with Him today. And as we do that, as we experience Him, as we, as we spend time with Him, we grow in greater depth, greater, greater relationship with Him. Cultivating a heart of devotion to Jesus takes some time. Because see, Love in itself naturally doesn't, doesn't just grow. Love, if left alone, will, will, will automatically begin to, to decrease. What our hearts automatically, when, when left on standby, when we go to that static zone, your heart automatically begins to grow cold. And so we have to work the muscle of knowing Jesus. We have to work the muscle of, of saying, I will spend time with you. I want to know you. And, 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 and hopefully a lot of you are kind of still in the like excited, man, spending time with God is easy. I love prayer meetings. I love worship. I'm just emotionally, it's so awesome all the time. But that's not going to be consistent through your whole life. We need to exercise the discipline of knowing him and seeking after him. I love where Paul writes, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I would, I would say that probably one of the most important things for us is to spend time with Jesus. We have, because of what Jesus did on the cross... Because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped in two. Do you know how big of a deal that is? When Jesus died, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from everybody else. So all throughout history, no one could go back there but one priest. They tied a rope around his legs so that when he went in there, if he had any sin or whatever, he would die. Boom, they drag him out. He had bells on him so they knew. All of a sudden, the veil is ripped in two. And we now can approach the throne with boldness. You can be sitting in Starbucks with earbuds in and you're at the throne. You can, be, you can be in this room. You can be in the prayer room. You can be in your car. You can be anywhere and you can spend time with Jesus. That's a big deal. 
So though outwardly we are wasting away, whether you like it or not, you're dying. The nature of being alive is that you're dying. Outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly our spirit, your spirit is eternal. Your soul is not dying because you have, you have committed to Jesus. You have given your life to Jesus. And you can start today getting ready for eternity. So this body, dying. But what are you doing to the thing in you that's eternal? Paul says, every day I renew myself in Jesus. Every day I spend time in Him. He is my strength. I renew myself in Him. I want to encourage you, if in a practical way, knowing Jesus... Start spending time with Him. It's why you're in the furnace, the nature of you being here. You're someone that wants to go deep in God. It's why we have, at our prayer meetings, we take the a first hour to, to have a devotional time. It's why we have you praying in a small room, closet, whatever. It's why we tell you to spend time with God every day. It's because I, I like to refer to this time, kind of the furnace. This is not a rival time. This is, I, I like to say this is kind of the training wheels time. This is your two year, one year or two years of getting some training wheels so that 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, I'll do it different, so that 15, 25, 35, 45 years from now, you can sustain that relationship in God. Does that make sense? So that's why I know, I know that this part, this is not a new idea, but I want you to get how vital it is. How important it is to renew ourselves in God every day. Spend time with Him. Henry Nouwen, I love this quote. Uh, he, he calls this personal prayer time the furnace of transformation. It's in that time when you are spending time with God. That is the time where your heart has changed. It's when you get before Him, your heart is cold, you, your heart is buried. You, maybe your heart's alive, but that's where your heart begins to get changed. Spending time with Him. And that's why we encourage you, not, that's not, we don't even encourage, we, we straight tell you to spend time with God every day, so that hopefully, in two, four, six, eight, ten years from now, I'm mixing it up, you'll still do it, because it's really important. We can seek Him, and the beauty of it is that He's knowable. He, he wants you to find Him. We know these verses, these are popular in our swirl, let me read them, Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Amos 5, 4. Seek me and live. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Those are promises. We can seek him. And find him. We seek him with all of our heart. Here's the problem. Satan doesn't want you doing that. He's going to find every reason to give you every excuse not to seek God, not to experience him. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind might be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve, that your mind might be led astray from the simplicity and purity of your devotion to Christ. He wants to do whatever, it can, he, whatever he can to get you away from that devotion to, to the Lord, to get you away from having a, a personal, experiential relationship with God. And so he's going to tell you you're too busy. He's going to tell you just hit the snooze button. 
He's gonna, he's gonna, he, he wants you to think, there's too, I have too much to do today. And listen, I, I'm guilty of this. I think m- many of us, we've experienced where we go through a day and we get to the end of the day, we're like, man, where did the day go? I spent no time with God. Oh, well, good thing we're tight. See you tomorrow. But man, no. Let's relish that time. And, and, and I'm preaching myself here. I'm not, I'm not saying this. I, I need this. We need the discipline of... I love where, I think it was Martin Luther who said, I have so much to do today that I must spend hours in prayer before I can get it done. We usually say, I'm so busy, I just, I don't have time, I don't have time. No, 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 We have so much to do, we have to renew ourselves in Jesus first. Because otherwise you're going on yesterday's oil. And when there's fresh oil available, don't go on yesterday's. When there's fresh manna, manna for today, don't go on what's now turned to worms. We can seek him. Satan doesn't want you to do it. That's why I think it needs to be a discipline in our life to spend time with him, to actually have real conversation. I'm not just talking about sitting down and going through the motions, but, but actually encountering him, it is possible. So number one is let's be experiential. Let's relationally know God. Secondly, let's know God through study. Yeah. Got no amens on that one. Yeah, we don't like that one. Because I just want to experience and, and the Holy Spirit, and, and I read the Bible, and I feel so good. And aren't I just supposed to be in relationship? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But I would argue that it's actually another level of love that says, I so love you that I want to seek out the depths. I so love you that I don't want to just be okay with, with where I'm at. I want to go seek out more. I want to know you in even greater. I'm not satisfied. Therefore, not only will I spend time with you, but on top of that, I'm going to study about you. It, it, to me, it's kind of the idea of casual friends. You know, friends that hang out. You get to know each other. You may really like I've had friends that we hang out, and, man, we really like each other. We're buddies. We're cool, you know. But it's not like I, I know them. It's not like, it, it's not like there's this, this, this intentional ability for me to say, okay, I want to get to know this person. But you know that when I was dating and engaged to Amy, I wanted to really get to know her. Because I didn't want to marry a psycho. You know, I didn't want to marry someone. I want to marry the right person. So I, on top of just, initially we liked hanging out. Initially, we, we had a good time together, and that was great. But at one point, I had to say, no, I want to actually get to know this person. So I want to find out likes and dislikes. I want to find out personality, character, what, made them who, what makes her who she is. There's a studying that goes on. That's an imperfect model, but an idea of how we can study God. So I believe that when we study, we're actually going, saying, it's a greater statement of, God, I want to actually find out more about you. I'm not satisfied with with the crumbs. I want the meat. I want to move on from the milk, and I want to start getting some meat. And so one of the things I, I think is really important is that as we study, well, let me say this. Jesus, and I quote this all the time to talk about this, but Jesus, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, when he's asked the greatest commandment, his first response is, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. We love the heart part, we love the soul part, and we say the mind part. What does it mean to love God with your mind? Exercise it. He gave it to you. He wants you to use it. We don't think it's dumb to study other things. We don't think it's dumb to study, you know, we, well, I mean, it's kind of we do, but, you know, like, once, you're, once you actually want to learn about something, you don't think it's dumb to study it. Why do we, why do we neglect studying the, the, the one 
that we're going to spend all of eternity studying. Psalm 10.4 says, The wicked is proud in his countenance. Sorry, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. I think sometimes it's even our pride that wells up that keeps us from really wanting to study. So when I say study, what am I saying? I think we need to, on top of our devotional God time, we need to read the Bible in a studying kind of way. What does it mean? What are you saying? Uh, in, uh, we all know this, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that ma- the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want us to be people that study our Bible. Read it for devotion, absolutely. But let's move on just devotion. Let's start studying it. Here's one of the reasons why I think it's really important that we, we study our Bible. First off, it's the primary way that God speaks to us. We want to hear from Him. The primary tool He has given us is the Bible. And so if He's already said it, chances are He wants us to, to find out what He's already said more than, you know, coming down and just telling you. He's already said it, so let's go find out what He already said. Secondly... As we study the Bible, we learn his character, we learn his personality, we learn how he speaks. If you will, we learn his language, we learn the, the character of God. So, so that when you are in your devotional time and you just feel this thing and, and it, God, is this you? And, and, and we can test it against something. And we can know, yes, God speaks to us, but we can test it against something. And, and we don't go on our every whim. I, I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, God told me this. And then 10 years down the line, maybe it wasn't so much God as that's just what you wanted to do. As we read the Bible, it gives us, some, it gives us a plumb line, something to test it against. It, it, and it gives us the language that God wants to use to speak to you. Here's kind of how I would compare it. I played football in fifth grade. That's right. Fifth grade. I was awesome on special teams. And... Uh, so I go, I was so excited to, to play, um, and so I got my shoulder pads and my helmet and all my stuff, and, and I went to practice, and I was like, man, let's go and let's play some football. First thing they did, they handed me this big, fat notebook that was our playbook. Fifth grade. This is bigger than any textbook I had. This, this is the playbook. that They're like, hey, you need to know this if you're going to be on this team. So I went home that night, I t- you know, I was in my room, I neglected my fifth grade homework, and I was like studying this playbook, and I wanted to know what was going to happen. So you get to practice, you get to the game, you get in the huddle, and all of a sudden, how many, uh, you know, how many of you guys play, anybody play football? Some people, any- anybody ever watched a football game? Anybody? Okay, you know how like sometimes they mic up the players, and, uh, and, and like you can hear the quarterback talking in the huddle? And they're speaking a different language, right? Like, so like, I'll get to the huddle, you know, and it'll be like, all right, you know, ace right, Z dig, X shallow on five, you know, whatever. And you're like, yes. <laughs> right. And so I want you to picture something with me. You're, you're, in the, you're in this huddle, and quarterback's talking. He's like, okay, you know, X this and Y that and jump here and go here, blue 32, ready on five, go. And you walk up to him, you're like, bro, bro, bro. I don't know what you just said. But here's the deal. We're buds. Like, we're tight. We're hanging after the game. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to sense where you want me to go. 
And then I want you to just throw me the ball. We'll be good. Just, we're tight. I really know you. So I'm going to go out, and I'm just going to feel it out, okay? All right. Yeah, not going to throw you the ball. You know who he's going to throw the ball to? The person that's where they're supposed to be. Okay, in the same way, as we read the Bible, our playbook, it gives God a way to talk to us. It gives Him the language that we can hear so that when He, say, when he calls out the play, we know where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to be, so that we can complete the play. Does that make sense? And so, so the reason we need to study it is because we want God to speak to us, and we don't want to be like, God tells us to do something, be like, blah, 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 God, God, God. I don't know what you just said. But we're tight. God, we're, I, we're just so good. So I'm just going to make decisions, and you just make it work. How many times do we do that? How many times do we say, hey, look, God, you just love me, and so I don't know what to do here. So I'm just going to live, and you make it happen. No. Let's read our Bible. Let's find out how he speaks. Let's study it. Let's get to know his personality. Let's get to know his character. Let's get to know the way he talks so that when he tells you what to do, you can say, got it. Yes, sir. I'm there. Because here's the problem with the guy that's really tight with the quarterback. The quarterback's throwing the ball to somebody else. And they're going to then kind of, if you will, operate in the will of their coach. You want to be in the will of God. You need to know what he wants from you. I would say that in order to get there, we need to know how he talks. So I'm not telling you that he's going to, everything is through a Bible verse. I'm not telling you that, that God's going to leave you, lead you in every way through using a Bible verse. I am telling you that, that he's going to, he, he, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what he said before is what he's saying now. He wants, we need to learn the language that he wants to speak to you. And most of the time, just reading the Bible, he's going to be like, hey, here, here you go. Makes sense, okay. So I, I want to encourage you to, to read your Bible in, in a studying fashion. Devotionally, absolutely. But let's study it as well. Let's, let's not just take the, the, the fruit off the low branches, but let's try to say, I want, I want the higher ones too. Okay, secondly, I want to talk about studying uh, by, by maybe using, uh, reading other books or commentaries or those kind of things. I think a lot of people say, Bible's all I need. That's true, that's good. But I really think that using other people's wisdom is good. I think it's okay for us to read what other people have experienced. Um, in uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty two, it says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Here's the deal. I go out to coffee with some of you people. And uh, you people. And, you know, you'll be like, we're just talking. And you're like, hey, what, what do you think I should do in this situation? And I've never been in that situation, but kind of based on, you know, my life experience, I try to share with you what I think. And you say, okay, I'll, I'll take that, I'll pray about it, I'll weigh it. And, uh, and then you go on your way and you make your decision. There's not much different in that, in you reading a book of someone who's gone before you and experienced something, and saying, I want to glean the wisdom of someone who's gone before me. And so, I want to encourage you, the reason we read books, the reason we read commentaries, that's not the Bible. Okay, so when you read a book, you don't need to quote it like, like it's the Bible and, and, and whatnot. But take it in for, for what it's worth. It's kind of like the idea of a map. You know, if you're going somewhere and someone's already been there and they've dri drawn a map for you, you can try to find it on your own. It'd be a lot faster if you use the map. And so I think it is okay. I just want to let you know, the reason we have you read other books in this program is because it is okay to use other people's experiences and wisdom and ideas 
to help you in your relationship with God. Does that make sense? And so let's be, I want us to be the kind of community that eats that stuff up. That we study the Bible, and, and that makes us, when we read something in the Bible, that makes us say, man, I want to find out what other people have experienced, and what other people think, and let me go read that. And, and we take that, and because we've already studied the Bible, we can weigh what this book says against the Bible. So we're not trying to say that this is like absolutely truth, but because we already know our Bible, we can use other outlets. Does that make sense? I think you can get to know God through using other people's experience, gleaning their wisdom. I think it's important. Okay, here's the most important part. We get to know God through the Holy Spirit. The truth is that all of this is only possible because of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 9, sorry, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 through 12. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings you revelation on God. I want to, let, I want to encourage you. If you want to... Ins- to sustain depth in your relationship with God, do not neglect the one that provides it. We need to be the kind of people that are not afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. We need to be the kind of people that don't think that's just for the really weird, crazy people. No, no, people are weird and crazy, but the Holy Spirit is real. So don't take just because some people are weird. That's fine. Some of you are weird. That's fine, you know? But, but the Holy Spirit, we need to, I, I believe that we need to start living like he's part of the Godhead because he is. Okay? And so, let me just read some verses. John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is your greatest asset in your relationship with the Father. Okay? I think it is a sin of us to neglect Him. I think it is absolutely wrong. He is the guide. He is our Counselor. He provides gifts. We grow in this fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, and we need to, we need to, I'm just telling you, if, if, if you haven't, if, if the Holy Spirit is vague and weird to you, you need to find out what is the truth is of the Holy Spirit. You need to ask God, show me your spirit. I think that this is one of the things that we really, really need to dive into. And, uh, you know, there's the one verse in the Bible that says that the, kind of the unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You guys know this verse? Um, there's this whole this whole uh, group on, on YouTube. Have you seen this? That, that uh, they, they just come on and they say, I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And it, it's kind of the idea of the Bible says that that's the only unforgivable sin. You know, I'm stamping my damnation ticket, you know. And so they, they come on and they say that I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And, and there's tons of them, and, and it's really sad. 
The good news is, is they're not blaspheming him. All those people can be saved. You know when Jesus said that, who he was talking to? He was talking to the Pharisees. And what he was saying is he was saying, you see the acts of the Holy Spirit. You see the moves of God. You know it's God, and yet you deny it. And that is not forgivable. I think far more than people going on some video website and saying a word, saying some phrase, we need to be scared of the way we've treated the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling you that you've committed an unforgivable sin, but how much do we look at the acts of the Holy Spirit and say, I don't know if that's God or not. I don't know. Listen, friends, we need to be those that are aggressively wanting to see him move and act, that want to see. I, I pray, as Paul said, that, that all of us eagerly desire the gifts. I want the Holy Spirit to give you gifts because that, those are gifts. That's what God does. He wants to give gifts. I think that we need to want that. But you know what else I want? In our depth and our relationship with God, I want every one of us to grow in this fruit of the Spirit. Man, I think that is so necessary for us to grow in love and joy and peace and patience. Let's not neglect the Holy Spirit. Let's not be people that, that leave him, be, uh, uh, kind of know the Trinity, but we, we like talking about God the Father, we like Jesus, but we can't really explain the Holy Spirit, so we don't really know. No, let's, let's, let's get to know him personally. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Not be rather filled, not be kind of filled, not be 85%. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage each one of us. When you look at, when you read, uh, if you just go home and, and you kind of Google, or no, go to maybe like Bible Gateway and type in uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know what most of the references are to? It, most of the references say he, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to declare or began to preach or began to say. Most of the time, the filling of the Holy Spirit will empower you to declare the goodness of God. We need to be people that are constantly declaring Him. We need to be people that know him so that we can do that. We need the Holy Spirit to be our aid, our guide, our counselor. As you embrace and grow in your relationship with the Lord, I want to encourage you, don't, let's not neglect the Holy Spirit's activity. We have a, a knowable God, and I think it is wrong of us to stay in the shallow end. You don't want that. I know you don't want that. That's why you're here. So one of the, kind of one of the common pictures that we, we, we talk about a lot here, I want you to go ahead and close your eyes. Imagine yourself, imagine, imagine the throne room, or, or kind of, we're on judgment day. Standing before the throne of God, judgment day. There's a line of people. There's big screen. Your life is playing. It's TiVo'd. So, you, you know, you're like, ooh, don't fast forward this part. Fast forward. Oh, you can pause this. No. You know, your life's going, and people coming up before, before God. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Well done. Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. Well done, good and faithful. Well done. Oh, barely, but well done. You barely made it. Good job. Okay. And then you come before the Lord. What happens when he says, oh, Simon! Dude, I know you. Well done. Oh, Kyle, yes. Well done. Enter into your rest. What is that moment? Just, just that moment of knowing him. That we, 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 we're going to spend eternity getting to know him. 
That's how great he is. That's how, how, how unfathomable he is. But we get to start now. How priceless is the moment when there's relationship. When you stand before Jesus and you recognize him. It's not like, who is this? This is the God I serve? No, you're like, oh, I know you. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.